1: On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or
0: restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey friends, welcome back to Wholehearted Eating. We're doing a deep dive this week. It's a duo episode as we like to call them with Christina and me, Dana, and today we're going to be talking about a lot of things that we find are wrong with set point theory in eating disorder and disordered eating recovery and in particular a lot of um, fat phobia in the eating disorder recovery community that is preventing people from actually fully recovering.
1: Yeah, it's kind of an odd thing because I feel like a lot of people talk about set i'm just jumping right into it right um mm-hmm. i get these questions a lot of times around people are like oh is this my set point theory or is this my body's set point asking that question a lot and uh, i really hate talking about set point like with my clients for all the reasons we're going to get into today but i think it's important for everyone who doesn't maybe doesn't know what this is that we just give you a brief little breakdown of it the idea the idea behind the set point theory is that the body tries to maintain its weight within a preferred range and everybody's set point is kind of different. And they call that kind of like your body's like weight homeostasis, you know, like where your body likes to hang out. And it's usually within a range and it can fluctuate throughout adulthood. And one other thing too that can happen well that I think is commonly left out of the conversation is that your set point theory, like your set point can also change from like, young adulthood to older adulthood can be changed too, like over time. And there's like a lot of layers to it too. But that's like the main idea is that there's this preferred, quote unquote, preferred range that your body likes to hang out with and hang out in. And when you're not restricting or um, not doing any kind of body control behaviors, this is where your body naturally kind of lands. And so in theory, I get the idea of why it was originally used in, in recovery and in like disordered eating conversations, because it makes sense to say to someone, well, this isn't where your body is naturally supposed to be. If you're like, um, majorly underweight, like that can be a big thing or quote unquote" underweight or overweight, they could say like, well, this isn't where your body's meant to be. But the problem is, is that it continues to put the focus on your body size in recovery, which is in a lot of ways, how we all ended up here to begin with. So when people ask me about set point theory or like, what's my body set point or how do I figure that out? I think, why do we care so much? Why do we care so much about where our body, the weight is? It puts so much emphasis on this weight instead of the healing pieces of the body, health promoting behaviors, understanding what our body needs, and just letting our body do its thing. Like wherever that is, it's going to do its thing. But when we focus on set point theory, it continues to put the focus on the body. And I really try to have the focus go away from the body.
0: Right. Right, Which is one of the main ways that we actually recover. Right. And we're going to get into this in that, you know, when when a lot of the focus is on whether it's set point theory or actual weight, whether that's weight restoration or, you know, anything like that it's really only focusing on the physical aspects of recovery. And when we look at something like an eating disorder, it's not just a physical thing. It didn't start as a physical thing, right? It's a very mental, emotional, whole body, physiological process that we can't just, you know, segment ourselves into physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, right? It has to have all of the components of everything together. And, you know, going going back to set point theory for a sec, like, This, if you've heard of this before, you've probably either heard it in the eating disorder recovery community, or you've probably heard it in the health at every size community. It is talked about in the book health at every size. Um, And, you know, like, I think there are some positives to this, not in the way that it's used in the ED recovery community, but, you know, in one sense, if you understand the reason why set point theory was even talked about in the first place in the health at every size space it one way of looking at it is like we need to stop thinking so much that our body needs to be controlled within you know one to two pounds or something right so in one sense it could be that we're giving ourselves permission you know one of these steps to be like yeah my body is going to naturally fluctuate and it will naturally fluctuate within x amount of range or whatever right Going back to our episode where we talked about, you know, is weight a symptom? If you typically fluctuate within a certain range and then, you know, within two weeks or something, you rapidly go outside of that range and nothing else in your life has changed, okay, maybe something's going on, right? But when too much of an emphasis is placed on, oh, what your, you know, what your weight quote unquote should be based on whatever your set point is, which honestly I would say you don't know and nobody knows what their actual range, you know, natural set point range is unless you have actually been in a place where you allow your body to naturally fluctuate and you're not artificially controlling your weight you're not suppressing your weight you're not doing you know the over exercise the under eating you're not micromanaging everything that you're doing if you're doing all of those things that's not your true set point weight range that's a suppressed range right so this is a very many layered conversation and so it might seem like we're kind of going on a bunch of different tangents but it's because there's a lot of layers to this and we have to just keep digging
1: Yeah, there's so many different layers to And I think another thing too is what your body's preferred set point is might not be your preferred set point range. And I think that's really what Dana's kind of driving at here is that there's this idea of like, okay, cool, I'm going to find my set point. And I've had clients in the past even come to me saying, so what, I've just screwed up my set point now and now my, my range is higher because of dieting and so like that's just it. I'm just destined to be this way. And I've heard them talk like that before. And I think to myself, man, this is the problem with set point theory is because it's now put so much burden on the individual around their body and thinking like, okay, it doesn't lead to like body acceptance. It doesn't lead to body neutrality, regardless of size. It's basically still going back to my body's fucked up and I've screwed it up. And so this is where I am now and it's all my fault. And I can't do anything about it. And maybe I'm just destined to diet for the rest of my life and try to diet down. And I think that's a really, like, by and large, sad. Like, (laughs) no other way to put it other than just really sad that people are feeling this way. And I think that that's where, to me, using set point theory as a tool in the ED recovery becomes really wrong because the mentality is, if you are in recovery... Part of what you hear when you hear the idea of on set point theory and you may have already internalized this on your own like just by based off our conversation is that there's like this mentality of well, don't worry, you won't get that big because your body likes to be in this place. That's what ends up happening and that's incredibly fat phobic. And so when you go into it and you're going into into recovery, And you're, you have this idea of, or there's like this mentality of, well, don't worry, you won't get that big. It's like, well, what does that big mean? One, why is big bad? What are you trying to say? How is this reinforcing some of the beliefs that I have about body sizes already? And is that going to help me long-term? There's almost like, kind of like, um, almost even two, like, there are these different types of things too of, that goes into it as well. That's like your body will be healthy when like it will stabilize to a place if you follow your set point theory, right? Um, if you do this, then your body's going to change as a result of recovery. And so sometimes people will think that there's something wrong with them if their body hasn't changed even though that they're in recovery. And so there's almost like this idea of like failing at like intuitive eating or failing at recovery because they think either their body's set point is supposed to be smaller or their set point is supposed to be higher and they can't quite figure out why certain things are happening. But again, if you think about it at the heart of that, both of those narratives are the focus on the body rather than on the relationship with the body and the relationship with food. And so to me, that's not long-term recovery. So when we use set point theory and ED recovery, it's dicey to me. Like it's a real like a real gray line of, well, what thread are we pulling and are we pulling the right thread for this client? Or are we setting them up for long-term, long-term success on being able to understand like where is all this coming from from them and how much of this is all rooted in body control behaviors and understanding where they're coming from. And it doesn't really get you there. And that's what's really dangerous. That's why me and Dana get so jazzed up when we hear the set point theory and people talk about it. I immediately like, no, don't go there. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't talk about it. Because again, my question is always to every client of mine, why do we care? Why do we care what our weight is quote unquote supposed to be or this preferred range for our body? Because what we think it's supposed to be and what our body thinks it's supposed to be can be two very different things. So you might be on this journey to get your set point theory, to get your set point, to find your set point range. And it's dieting. It's restrictive. It's all of the things that are that are incorporated with having this entire thing because you're thinking, well, this is the range that I believe I need to be in to be quote unquote healthy, because we're using a really messed up chart our BMI chart to, to, to navigate where, where this preferred range is, is for us already. We're using a skewed system to be able to navigate that. And then we're using that to, to try to manage our body within that range. And that isn't recovery it's focused on the body. Really fat phobic focuses on the body too. So at its heart, it's just so so problematic to me.
0: Yeah. And then where we see a really big discrepancy in the actual like success of recovery is if, if we think about, you know, on one side, the, you know, the physical piece of this, right? If you do identify with, or at any point in recovery, someone did identify with like, me in my mind i think that my set point should be this but your body's like huh nah fam it's actually this in the from a physical recovery standpoint we think okay well the only way for me to actually be recovered is if i get my body to the place where i want it to be you know what through some kind of you know weight control behaviors which is what got us here in the first place, right? Whereas what the work that really needs to be done, like Christina was saying, is the discrepancy and why why we think there's a problem in that middle ground between where we think we're supposed to be and where our body wants us to be right from the physical perspective it's oh we have to close that gap or we're not succeeding at recovery what it needs to be and what would be much better for actual physical mental emotional recovery for you know from a whole body perspective is why do we think there is a problem between where our mind thinks we should be and where the body wants to be right why is it a problem that there's a discrepancy there? Why do I think that I should be at a different weight than my body maybe wants we, me to be, right? So while a lot of the, you know, and we want to give a little bit more background on this. When in inpatient recovery, a lot of the focus is on behavioral changes and some kind of weight change, right? Which is kind of ironic because this is how we got here in the first place, right? Well, so for anorexia, it's weight restoration, right? Right. Most of the time for people who are severely under eating and in much, much smaller bodies, right? Because again, going back to assumption, the main assumption about people in who have anorexia is that they're skeletal, right? Which is not the case, but that is the assumption behind that, right? And the main assumption with regard to body size behind bulimia and binge eating is that those people who have that are in larger bodies, right? So we have anorexia in terms of body size on one side and we have binge eating and potentially bulimia on the other side, right? And so when you're in inpatient recovery, the focus is weight restoration for anorexia and then either stopping binges, or stopping purging for bulimia, right? It's immediate behavioral changes. And I'm sure Christina will go into this. And this is a very necessary part of the equation, right? If someone is severely, severely underweight to the point where their life is in danger, of course they need to gain weight, right? But what we're saying is in the stages after that, or even during that, we also need to be doing and focusing on a lot of the mental and emotional heavy lifting as to why we got here in the first place, right? Just putting some weight back on someone if they're anorexic is not actually going to fix their behaviors when they go back home.
1: Exactly. And so one of the things that I talk about my clients when you know, I will help clients navigate whether or not they're they're a good candidate for inpatient care as part of like some of the work that we do together. And the way that I describe it in a lot of ways is sometimes it's a triage approach. And I look at it that way of thinking of the body as, okay, are we in a place where we need immediate triage, immediate medical attention in order to, to have a physical recovery? right? And you need that availability. You need that medical care. And that's how it's looked at. It's looked at that way. And as the practitioner who's working there, whether like I'm thinking about some of my teens who have gone to hospital settings and things like that, they're not focused on your mental emotional work. They're not. They're focused on how do I do the physical needs that that need to happen in order to have my client, have this patient um, restore their weight or restore whatever it is that's going on immediate behavioral change in order to weight restore or get their body in a more stable place those are the ways that they're looking at it and that doesn't include like so for some things i'm thinking specifically more for some of those like really smaller um really lower lower bmi like heart rate issues things like that that you can see with anorexia in a lot of ways too but that does not i think dana mentioned it too that doesn't mean that someone in a larger larger body doesn't have anorexia also and so how is that managed how is that looked at how are they how are they helping that person are they focusing on behavior change what are they doing how is that navigated but the point is again when you're going to that triage type focus the body issues remain afterwards regardless of however you're doing it whether you're looking at it from you know from a physical recovery um or and also if you're looking physical recovery can include weight restoration things like that and that triage type approach the mental and emotional work is still left dangling there the body issues remain there which makes you even more susceptible to relapse when you leave and it creates the narrative inside that the recovery is contingent on body changes you know like the idea that like you have to have body changes in order to be recovered and so some people will do, and I've seen clients come back to me with like a head down approach, really disassociative eating, engaged, like eating approach where they have like a head down approach around eating afterwards. And they say, yeah, I just kind of did what I had to do in order to, to do what needs to be done when I was in this triage. And now I don't know how to eat anymore. You know, I don't know how to do anything. things. And I think it's really important for that outpatient care and that long-term recovery care to look at it from your body, your recovery isn't contingent on body changes and understanding where does that come from to begin with. So then when we use things like language, like, don't worry, you won't get that big. Or we use language, like when you recover, your weight will stabilize to a healthy place. And when we use language of like this false promise that your body is going to change as a result of recovery... it, it reinforces that the body change or like alterations or whatever is what recovery is. And I think that's what's really messed up about it. And that's why I don't like set point theory because it again, it puts so much of the emphasis on the body rather than the relationship with food and your body and all the other pieces. It's too body focused. It's too external and not enough of the mental emotional internal relationship piece and that's what I don't like about it in like a larger sense from a triage inpatient recovery place like the work is not done (laughs) after we've gone to that place it's just beginning to me it's
0: not again and I think we said this in you know our last couple episodes is like the body is not a problem that needs to be fixed, right? And really when we're looking at, especially inpatient and even sometimes outpatient, the patient's perspective is that my body is a problem that needs to be fixed and what, that is one of the thoughts that drives the eating disorder behaviors, right? In recovery, we need to teach our clients and our patients that their body is not a problem that needs to be fixed. The thing that we need to work on is the mental and emotional, you know, thought that we have that the body is the problem that needs to be fixed, right? The mindset is what we need to work on most heavily, not the body size itself, aside from stabilization, right? But that is like the, that is the prerequisite here, right? Like that, that can't be the only thing. That can't be, okay, you know, we're stable, you're good to go, like what what's to stop all of the behaviors from coming back? Because again, the behaviors themselves are not the origin of the problem. The mindset, the mental, emotional work, all of this, you know, the culture of fat phobia that we have, all the trauma that people have experienced, like all of the different reasons that lead us to believe that our body is a problem that then cause us to have these eating disorder behaviors that lead to the destabilization of heart rate and liver enzymes and cholesterol and all of these other things, again, we need to take more of a root cause approach to this, right? This is what Christina and I talk about all the time, whether we're talking about nutrition or chronic health conditions or eating disorders or disordered eating or everything that we do, even body image stuff. We we can't take a Band-Aid approach to recovering whatever we're trying to recover from. Because if you take a Band-Aid approach, it just scratches the surface. But that doesn't stop the behaviors from coming back. That doesn't stop the thoughts from coming back. That doesn't change your mindset. We need to figure out where all of this originated from in the first place and start to peel back those layers knowing that we can't go most of the time. You can't immediately go to the root because you have to dig your way there. And this is where having a <laughs> like team of non-diet, you know, anti-fat phobia, like health at every size, informed dietitian or nutritionist and an eating disorder specialist therapist and probably other people as well on your team is why it's so necessary to make a full and sustained recovery.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say probably 99% of all of my clients is a team approach it's a team approach, it's collaborative, it's a whole care coordination team working together to look at all the various facets and layers and sides to how this all came to be. And so, I mean, that's all to say that this is super complicated. And so to me, I think, I also wanna talk also about how recovery happens in stages. And one of the things that we talked about is the triage stage, which is important if you need triage, right? Not everyone needs a triage approach. Some people have the time, their body has given them the time <laughs> that they can to do all of it outpatient. And so you can do that too. But even though I think we have to, at the same time, meeting our clients, and this is where it can get really gray, is that there's this place of like meeting you where you are, you know, um, and meeting you where where you are in this moment and where you are in the stages of recovery. So recovery has to happen in these different types of stages, whether it's a full-blown eating disorder or disordered eating, There's stages along the way for each person. And even though we want everybody to have a weight-inclusive perspective, anti-fat bias or anti-fat phobic type of perspective, for a lot of people, we can't really start there. And to be perfectly honest, some clients haven't consented to that yet. It'd be kind of like me and Dana when we've said before how we hear about some practitioners saying that they won't they won't work with someone if um they have the desire to lose weight. Me and Dana have always kind of joked, like, well then who are you working with? <laughs> because like there's so like we always hear that, like that's always under the radar. And I don't want any of my clients lying to me about it and saying, Oh no, I don't want to lose weight or oh no, I totally have no internalized fat phobia or fat phobia beliefs. I don't have any of that. Bull. We all grew up in the same culture. It's happening. It's okay. Let's talk about it. And let's meet you where you are. And sometimes where you are is by saying, we need to do triage first. We need to focus on the behavior really quickly and get get that under control so you can get stabilized. And then we need to dive deeper Root by root, rock by rock, you know, uncovering each layer of what's going on here so that you can get to the end result. The end result for us is to have that weight inclusive perspective, to have that anti fat phobic perspective, and to understand, oh, wow, a lot of the things that I am fearing about body changes and why I have focused on set point theory or why I've liked these types of things or I have this idea that recovery has a size in mind is because and rooted in this fat phobic society that we grew that we live in and how problematic that is that to- that comes with time and we have to meet everybody where they are and so there's a balance between that right there's a balance between where you are and also challenging yourself to be more, more body neutral and more health at every size and anti-fat phobic that comes with time and coming into those layers. So we're not saying just because you you have this idea of like, well, I really feel comfortable with the set point theory. Of course you feel comfortable with the set point theory. Of course you do, because it gives you a nice little range that's based off the BMI, that gives you a nice little place to party, and, and it, it encourages some body control behaviors. And if you go outside of that, then either it's you know, chronic health symptom or something like that going on, or you have behavior changes that you need to modify. And so we want to hang out in that place, right? Because it makes us feel safe, makes us feel secure, gets us our little, little anti-anxiety jacket. (laughs) But the reality is it's not, it's a false sense of that because they're based off of very fat phobic belief systems in there. And so you have to kind of untangle them and say, hey, why do I like set point theory? Why do I feel like if my body is not within a range that I think it's supposed to be, am I so uncomfortable? What does that mean? What is that telling me? And how can I start to dive into each of those various layers to get into the deeper recovery so that I can look at my body more neutrally and so that I can look at other people's bodies more neutrally too can't start with your own, you can start with someone else's for sure. And thinking about it a little bit different. Cause un- at the end of the day, it might be comforting for you to think that your body, that your body will change as a result of your recovery. But it doesn't actually help you in the end. In the long term, we put so much of the focus on our body.
0: If you are uncomfortable in your current body size or Just because you're uncomfortable in your current body size, no matter where you are in the recovery journey, that doesn't mean that this isn't the size that your body wants to be, right? Again, so going back to you might think, whether it's based on set point theory or something else, like, oh, my body should be this size, but your body's like, nah, fam, that's not where we want to be. Because at the end of the day, your body is always just trying to protect you no matter what you are going through, no matter how many times you've dieted or exercised or done all of the things to try and suppress your body weight to fit into this extremely fat phobic society that we live in, right? Your body's always just trying to protect you, right? And what that looks like is your body wants you to have enough energy in order to be able to not just survive, but actually thrive and have energy. And if you're, you know, Female to have like regular optimal menstrual cycles until you go through menopause and not have, you know, all these chronic symptoms and everything, right? It's always just trying to look out for you, right? And if you are or just because you are uncomfortable in your body size right now, it doesn't mean that that body size is wrong or unhealthy for you, right? So if you're like, mm -mm," that doesn't feel good, right? The way that you make that not feel good is not by changing your body. Changing your body is not going to improve your body, your actual body image, right? Changing your body gives you conditional body neutrality of, oh, I like my body, but only when it's this size, right? So the thing that we need to work on, again, is not the physical changes, it's the mental and emotional, the mindset piece of, why do I think this is wrong? Why do I think this is bad? Why do I think this is unhealthy? Because if you believe those things, that mindset is what leads you to the behavior changes and the weight control behaviors in the first place that at the end of the day, you know, where we're going here is can lead to orthorexia, disordered eating, eating disorder behaviors. But again, changing those behaviors alone without changing the mindset is not going to lead to actual sustainable long-term recovery. 100%.
1: 100%. Like literally everything you said, 100%. And, and I think another thing too that I think is important for everyone to, to kind of think about as well, I think sometimes this is like the undercurrent for why people feel like they are failing at intuitive eating is because there's this idea of like when you put in intuitive eating plus set point theory – minus actually having neutral nutrition education for how to take care of your, like how to like feed your body and how to take care of yourself. You're never really taught that at any point, right? Like when you you put all of those three things together, there's like this undercurrent of like, oh, I'm failing at recovery because I don't feel like I know how to intuitively eat because my weight has either stayed the same or I've gained or whatever it is and I can't find my set point theory or my body's set point or whatever. And so it can feel like this overwhelming feeling of, I'm just failing at this. Like, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. And so this carries over to like what Dana and I talk about a lot in our quote unquote advanced recovery tools around understanding how do I eat to fuel myself? How do I take care of my body on like a cellular level? What does my body need every day? What do I need to take care of it? How do I do that? How do I support my body. How do I meet my body's needs and also at the same time not demonize any kinds of foods that I've been taught to demonize? How can I feel more comfortable having quote unquote previous trigger foods in my home without it leading to binges? How do I neutralize those things? How do I do that? Because we don't learn that in initial stages of recovery. That happens over the long term. And so there's this under that feeling of undercurrency of like, okay, I'm feeling like I'm failing at this, but I'm not as engaged as some of the overarching body control behaviors as I used to be. You're ready for advanced recovery tools. That's where we're at. We need to unpack, like, why why are we still focused on what our body size looks like as part of what recovery is? And why do we feel like we're failing at intuitive eating? What's at the heart of that? Is that the heart of that is that we haven't felt like we've understood what our body needs to fuel do we not understand how to, to to nourish ourselves and to take care of ourselves? And are we still having some negative thought patterns around certain types of food groups or foods or things like that that are leading to this perception of failure?
0: And I mean, at the end of the day, what most people know about nutrition is really just dieting for the purpose of weight loss or weight control. Right, so of course, when we are going through recovery and all of this stuff, and it's like, okay, well, we're not dieting anymore. So what are we gonna do now? Right? If the only, if the only nutrition education that you have is specifically around weight control behaviors, and you're being told, okay, don't do those weight control behaviors, then basically all of the nutrition information that you know because it wasn't presented through a neutral approach seems like it's out the window. So then we're like, uh, what do we do now? You know, like how how do I take an add in approach how how do I eat a salad or vegetables without it feeling like I'm on a diet again without it triggering me to go back to these old behaviors, right? And that's where practitioners like Christina and I come in because I mean, luckily, there are some people that are starting to do you know more of this kind of approach is. Teaching people how to neutralize nutrition without it having anything to do with weight control or body size, right? How do we fuel ourselves on a molecular level? If you are having chronic symptoms, how can you use nutrition in a positive way without it being, oh, you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, you have to do this autoimmune protocol elimination diet or you're basically causing all of your own symptoms? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Because that's what we're told and that's what we're taught.
1: Yeah, over and over again. And one of the things that I really want to leave you guys with today and have you thinking about is I said this to Dana before we started recording, what your body does and where your body is in set point theory is literally none of your business. It's going to do whatever it's going to do, regardless of whether or not you feel cool about it. So so if you're not cool with where your body is and what it's doing, I challenge you to think about why where this is coming from and looking at it from a completely different perspective of why do I feel like my body is not at the right place and why do I feel like this isn't right and how do I then support my body rather than thinking I need to change this range or I need to change my body to make me feel more comfortable. It really comes down to we put so much focus on the body and the body itself and the outward appearance of the body. That's what makes me so infuriated with using set point theory is that I, I keep every time like I hear someone talking about it, I, I immediately go, God, we're missing the point. Like, like the whole point like is to, to move away from that. And the entire theory itself puts the pressure back on the body and makes you focused on it. And if we take the focus away from the body and look at our behavior, look at our relationship with food, look at the relationship we have with our body, look at the relationship we have with other people's bodies and what we think of them, there's the heart. There's the heart of it all. That's where you're going to get to understanding, like, how do you navigate your pantry without having a panic attack? Otherwise, you're just living in that same cycle over and over again. And our goal is to get you out of that cycle long term. Boom. (laughs)
0: thoughts <laughs> final sentiments <laughs> I don't think I have any more thoughts obviously like we said before this is a very nuanced and layered conversation that is probably thought-provoking and question provoking so as you all know our inbox is always open um hello at wholehearted you can find us on instagram at wholehearted eating pod if you have any questions for the podcast you can submit them there go follow us because we're then you won't miss an episode because we're sharing all the time about our guests and our episodes and everything um yeah and then you know let us know and we'll see you next week yeah let that sink
1: in guys (laughs) you're welcome
0: (laughs) hey friends it's dana and thanks for listening to the wholehearted eating podcast If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and if you can, we would absolutely love it if you left a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture the body image spiral and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies with Wholehearted Eating. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me or Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling or checking out our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com and we'll see you again here next week.